Praise the Lord, everyone. Welcome to Christ and Christ is our central focus. Good to be in the house of the Lord tonight, isn't it? I greet you tonight in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the one who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Well, tonight I give honor to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He is worthy of all honor and glory and praise. Our God is worthy of all our praises. Well, I want to give um, kudos and praises and, you know, whatever it is to Pastor Wayne for this ministry. It's a great ministry. It is a great ministry. And, you know, he deserves praises for what is happening right here. Sister Wyatt, it's a blessing to have you with us. Thank the Lord for you, your children, and all your relatives and friends in this house. I thank the Lord for this opportunity, this great privilege, to be able to stand in this pulpit and minister to God's people, or the people of Christ and the church. It's a great honor and a privilege to just be standing here. You know, there are many people today that, you know, would like the opportunity to stand and speak to people. But there are things that hinder them from doing so. But thank God for giving me this privilege. And I thank Pastor Wayne for allowing me this opportunity also. Amen. In uh, John chapter 8 and verse 31 to 32, the scripture says, If ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Tonight I have the opportunity to speak the truth of God's word. And, you know, I can't say it enough. It's a great privilege to do so. I mean, I take the opportunity wherever I go to speak the word of God or to teach the word of God. This is what I love to do. You know, I mean, some people love to preach, but I love to teach. Yep. And to me, I'm just following what Jesus did because <laughs> he went everywhere teaching. I mean, he preached, but he did a lot of teaching. Before we get in further into my lesson tonight, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, ever-loving Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we come into your presence another time, Almighty God, to give you the honor, the glory, and the praise that you alone are worthy to receive. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Almighty Father, for this privilege that you have afforded us to come together tonight, to study your words, to show ourselves approved unto you, as workmen that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing your word of truth. Almighty God, in you alone do we put our trust. We pray, Almighty Father, that you help us tonight to receive your engrafted words with meekness. Help us, Lord God, to continue to grow in grace and in knowledge of you. Lord, help us to continue to walk worthy of your calling and be fruitful in every good works and increase in knowledge of you, Almighty God. Open our understanding tonight, Almighty Father, and help us to understand all these truths that you have in store for us, Almighty God, that we might continue to be a blessing to you and to one another, Almighty Father. Oh, Lord Jesus, we love you, we honor and adore you, we give you thanks, Almighty Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, as we all know, we might be getting some heights or sleet or something tonight, so <laughs> I won't keep you long. Uh, Sister Patrice says she's going to winter fire. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I forgot. We are online, right? So... Um, <laughs> the online congregation, I greet you also. It's a great honor to stand here and speak to you also. <clears throat> Our lesson for tonight will be about prayer. We have been doing some good prayers at from 5 in the morning to 6, and it has been a wonderful time. It has been a great time. And I can say for myself that I have been blessed because of you know, praying 
to the people of God in the morning. It is a great blessing. Now, my question is, would you like your prayers to be more powerful? I know I would. Well, here's one thing you need to do. Pray the scriptures. Pray the word of God. Praying the scriptures not only works for you, but it also works and edify those who hear you. When we come together, we should come together to build up one another. You know, when you go to the Lord in your private corners to pray, that's a kind of different prayer than you pray when you're in public with people. It is. We should always pray when we're praying in public to help others in the process. It helps them and it also helps you. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says that God's word is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. When we speak and um, pray the scriptures, we are coming into agreement with God and his power is released to answer our prayer. We are coming into agreement with God when we pray the word of God. Maybe you feel like God doesn't hear your prayer or maybe you don't know what to pray in certain situations. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14 tells us that we can have confidence in God. We can have all confidence in God because God's word, going back to him, is something that he has already settled. And he knows that, you know, whatever we, we ask of him in prayer, speaking his word back to him is what he has to perform. Not only does he hear our prayer, but he also promised to answer them when we pray in line with his will. How can we be sure that we are praying according to the will of God? Any thoughts? Any ideas? Praying the scriptures. Amen. Man's, um, man's highest aim should be to bring God glory, to give God all the glory, the honor, and the praise that he deserves. Um, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31, it says, you know, it tells us that we are to glorify God. In everything that we do, we should glorify God. And this is also by praying the will of God, praying in the will of God. First of all, we must examine ourselves to see if there is anything that would hinder our prayer before we go to God in prayer. We have to first check up ourselves to see if there is anything that would prevent us from receiving what God has in store for us or from uh, preventing God from hearing our prayers. We must examine ourselves. We can't go to God with some things in our heart against our brothers or you know stuff like that. And expect God to hear us. We have to first examine ourselves. So that God can hear our prayer. We can't say well. Well I have a bone to pick with my, with my brother. So you know. Tomorrow I'll go take care of that. We have to take care of that now. <laughs> you know straighten it out. And then we go to the Lord in prayer. Next we must give God thanks and praises. For all the things that he has done for us. For all his goodness. His loving kindness. And his mercies towards us. Because we did not deserve it. We did not deserve all the things that he's doing for us. And we should acknowledge that it's because of his mercies that we are not consumed. They're new every morning. God's mercies are new to us every morning. Psalm 100 says, um, this is a psalm of uh, praise and worship. It says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. 
Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth unto all generations. Now, although the mention of gates and um, are, you know, referred to in this passage, it's important that we know that it's not just about the tabernacle. It's about being in the presence of God. It's about God's presence. It's a figurative speech referring to the very presence of our God. It is a call to worship, a call to praise, and a call to thanksgiving. This is what it's about. Giving thanks unto God is, an, um, is a joyous privilege that every single one of us have. And this is a privilege that we should all love. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. The psalmist now gives us um, his threefold rationale for making a joyful noise unto the Lord. First he says, the Lord is good. Second, God is everlastingly merciful. Third, a joyful noise is to be made unto the Lord our God, for his truth endureth unto all generations. We have many scriptures to prove this. When you look into the Bible, you see all kind of stuff that God has done for his people. And this gives us reason to worship God. This gives us reason to praise him. Jehovah is not a fickle God, promising and then not performing. What he promises, he will bring to pass. He is faithful from generation to generation. He's a faithful God. He is God and he does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. All those who have gone before us have great experiences that we can look at in the scriptures. They have left you know, experiences in the word of God so we can look at these things to see how God dealt with them when they called upon him, when they spoke to him, and the things that he, he has done for them. God can do the same thing for us because he does not change. He is the same God. Next, we must confess our sins, our failures, and our shortcomings, and ask his forgiveness, and ask also for wisdom. We must go, you know, there are times that people say, well, okay, I mean, you're asking for God to forgive you for the sin that you have committed last week and you're still asking for that same forgiveness today or something like that. God's ways are higher than man's ways. His thoughts are higher than man's thoughts. They're way past finding out. We don't know when God moves. He moves in his own time. We can't tell God when to move. All we have to do is be persistent we have to consistently go to God in prayer to make sure, you know, the scripture tells us, we have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. If you know that you did something wrong some months or weeks ago, you want to make sure that it's forgiven. God has forgiven this sin or pardoned you for the wrong that you have done. He promised to forgive. He's a faithful God. But you never heard anything from him to say, well, yes, I forgave you. So we can't just forget it and say, well, okay, you know, God forgave me for this and we keep going on and think that it's okay. That old slew foot, Satan, he will bring this right back to you and you don't even realize it. That's how he is. You know, he, he, he has, he's so tricky that he used the same tactics that he has been using for many years. But he just used it in a different way. He twists it in a different way and just used it against you. And you don't even realize it. So we have to make sure that we are in the right path with our Lord. So we have to confess our sins and ask for forgiveness. John 9 verse 31 says, Now we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. You didn't know that, did you? <laughs> Satan didn't know that. <laughs> if we are a worshiper of God, he will hear us. If we are faithful to him, he will hear our prayer. 
Psalm 51, verse 1 to 17. It says, David plead for God's mercies and forgiveness in light of his great sin. He pleaded with God for forgiveness. He did this after he had come, in, um, come into Bathsheba. He said, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sins are ever before me. Against thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Now, you might wonder why would David be praying and not asking God to, you know, or even, even going to the people that he sinned against. I mean, he sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against Uriah. But he went directly to the Lord. Anybody have an idea why? There you go. By David saying, um, against thee only have I sinned, means he takes no account of the great wrong done to both Bathsheba and Uriah. But David had learned what great saints of God have always known. He knew that um, regardless of who is affected by our sin, God is always the ultimate target of sin. This is who sin goes against. It goes against God. Even though we might sin against one another, we are sinning against God. We can't sin against um, one another and think that, you know, it's okay with God. We have to be kind, tender-hearted, and compassionate one to another. Yep. Because we are all made in God's image and in his likeness. Luther was right when he said, Two parts constitute true repentance. First, that a man recognizes sin, then that he recognizes what grace is. The first step in repentance is contrition for sin. That means being remorseful or sorry for the sin. Not being sorry that you got caught. People feel sorry about, you know, being caught other than being sorrowful for the sin that they have committed. David has shown um, such contrition. The second step is confession of sin. We have the examples of how we should come to the Lord in the tabernacle plan that was made out there in the wilderness. See, there's a pattern in the tabernacle that shows us how we should come to the Lord. If we are not coming to the Lord in that manner, then when we get into the holiest of holies, they might have to pull you out with a rope. This is what they used to do in the Old Testament. They'd tie a rope around the priest who went into the holiest of holies. He had bells on his um, garment. And if they didn't hear the bells, they know that something is wrong. <laughs> They'd have to pull him out. We have to make sure that we go through the process, the proper channel, to come to the Lord. We can't just come to the Lord any old way and think that it will be okay. <clears throat> True confession is acknowledging your sins to God and admitting that you, um, that you cannot deal with it all by yourself. We have to admit that we can't deal with all these things by our own self. We have to confess our sins to God. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 to 10, the scripture says, if he confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive or forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He didn't say some. He says he will forgive us for all unrighteousness. He will cleanse us of our sins and forgive us of all unrighteousness. You have to take the word of God at face value and believe that this is what God says and this is what God will do. 
If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Talking about the word of God. It's important that we have the word of God in us. It's important that we know what the word of God says. So that when the time of trouble comes, we, kn we know where to go. I heard a story about this um, young man. He lived in a nice village. He was a good, kind-hearted person. He was a Christian, they said. But one day, he was doing some carpentry. And there was this little boy watching him. And lo and behold, he hit his finger. And can you imagine the words that came out of his mouth? See, the scripture says, it's out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. So if we are filled with the word of God, if we are filled with the things of God, this is what's going to come out of us. They say garbage in and garbage out. If you have the word of God living inside of you, which is, you know, alive and powerful, this is what is going to come out of you. You get into a situation, you're not going to curse. You're going to go to the Lord. You're going to call upon God. You're going to speak his word. I mean, there are so many things that God has given to us to defend us, but we have to know it. If you don't know the word of God, you're in trouble. God desires purity in the inward part. But it is the wisdom of God to know that we are um, impure from the very um, moment of conception. God knows that we are impure. But he wants us to have wisdom. And he tells us to call upon him, ask him for wisdom. It's important that we have for divine wisdom from above. Because the wisdom that we get on this earth can't be compared to that. And this wisdom can't defend us when we get into a situation with God or against God. Hence, David does not try to excuse his sin, but simply acknowledges his sin. David acknowledged everything that he committed. In verse 17 of Psalm 51, it says, The sacrifices of God... Our broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, that will not despise. The Mosaic law allows no reconciliation or sacrifices for the sins of adultery and murder. There's no reconciliation in the Old Testament for that, in the Old Testament laws. It was always just stone, being stoned to death and all that kind of stuff show you in a pit or something like that to get rid of you. <laughs> you know, that's what you call capital punishment. <laughs> now, if, if that still existed, some of those, as they call the corner boys in Jamaica, <laughs> they wouldn't be doing what, what they're doing today. Amen? David correctly recognized that the only acceptable sacrifices are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. God does not want a show of um, ceremony when we sin. Rather, God delights in a quiet softening of the heart and a personal contrition and confession of sin. This is what God delights in. Does anyone know why we should um, not have doubt within our hearts when we go to God? You know why we shouldn't have doubts in our hearts when we go to God? People say, well, you know, there are things that we, we, we can doubt when it comes to the scriptures and all that kind of stuff. But does anyone know why we shouldn't doubt? Uh, James chapter 1, verse 5 to 7 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that give it to all men liberally, and upbraid it not, and it shall be given. In asking for wisdom, we must also trust that God is gracious and willing to answer our prayer. We can't be doubting God, saying, well, you know, I'm not sure if this is going to happen, or I'm not sure if God really answers prayer in this kind of way. James 1, verse 6 to 8 of the New International Version says, But when ye ask, ye must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. 
Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that he does. Everything that that person does, is, you know, shows that he's unstable. You know, he's unstable in all his ways. We can't be doubting God when we when we come to God and ask for, you know, forgiveness, ask for, you know, any kind of blessing. And th- one of the best ways to make sure that, you know, you, you know that God will hear and answer your prayer is to make sure that you're approaching him the right way. If you're not approaching God the right way, you're in trouble. I mean, the kings, kings in times past, you couldn't just approach them any way you feel like approaching them. And it's the same thing with God. God is greater than all these kings. We have to show reverence to God before we can, you know, just come in and think that, you know, we can do anything. We have to believe that this, what the scripture says. We have to take the word of God at face value. Jesus said, if you believe in me, as the scripture says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. He's talking about his spirit that will give to you to guide you and direct you, to lead you and guide you into all truth. If you don't have that spirit, you can't understand all the mysteries in God's word. The scripture tells us that there are many that are ever learning, but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. And the reason for that is they're, they're, they're rejecting this power that can help them to come to know God and to know God's word. They have a form of godliness, is what the scripture says, but they are denying the power thereof. God has given us his spirit to lead us and guide us through this world and into all truth. He wants us to live by truth. Mark chapter 11 verse 24 says, Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. So praying according to the will of God includes asking for wisdom to know the will of God and asking in faith to trust the will of God. At this point, I'd like to share with you um, seven biblical instructions that will guide every believer into praying according to the will of God. One, pray for the things for which the Bible commands prayer. We are told to pray for our enemies in Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44. For God to send missionaries in Luke chapter 10 and verse 2. Pray that we do not enter into temptation in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41. We need to pray for Ministries of the world. That's in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 3 to 4. And you have also 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 1. We need to pray for the governments, for all those who are in authority. The scripture tells us that there's no authority but of God. All the authorities that be, they are ordained of God. You know, people fight and quarrel and say all kind of things about authorities, but they never look into the word of God to see that these authorities are there for our benefit. They're, they're there for our blessing and the punishment of those that do evil. Yet people curse against them. We should pray for um, relief from affliction. These are the things that God tells us to pray for. These are in the word of God that we can pray about. <clears throat> pray for um, the healing of fellow believers. It's important that we pray one for another. Where God commands prayer, we can pray with confidence that we are praying according to his will. There are many things in scriptures that we can look at. I, I mean, we can pray all day and all night because there are so many things in the word of God that we can go to the Lord in prayer about. Many things. Number two, follow the example of godly characters in scripture. There are many who have gone before us. 
and they have left the evidence that we can look at. They have left their word so we can look back at these things. The scripture te- tells us in Romans chapter 15 and verse 4 that was their things are written aforetime, they are written that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. All these things, they're written for our admonition upon whom the end of the world has come. We can look at these things and learn from them. <coughs> Paul prayed for salvation of Israel in Romans chapter 10 and verse 1. David prayed for mercy and forgiveness when he sinned. That's Psalm 51. The early church prayed for boldness to witness in Acts chapter 4 and verse 29. These prayers are according to the will of God and similar prayers today can be as well. As with Paul and the early church, we should always be praying for the salvation of others. God has left unto us a ministry. He has left unto us the ministry of reconciliation. And this is one of the most important work or job that we can have in this world to do. There's nothing more important than the ministry of reconciliation in this world. People think that their, you know, highfalutin jobs and stuff like that they have is more important, being a king or being a president or something like that. The ministry of reconciliation is the most important job that we have in this world. For salvation, we should pray as David prayed always aware of our sins and bring it before the Lord God before it you know goes to a point where it will hinder our relationship with him and our prayers number 3 pray with the right motive we must always have the right right motive when we go to the Lord in prayer selfish motive will never bring God's blessing James chapter 4 and verse 3 of the New International Version says, When ye ask, ye do not receive, because ye ask with wrong motives, that ye may spend what ye get on your pleasures. Sometimes we pray for things to, you know, to enjoy ourselves, so to, to purchase certain things. Pray, pray that God will bless us in a certain way so that we, we might be able to purchase certain things. Some people pray and, you know, God answered their prayer. Or sometimes they get the thing and say, well, God answered their prayer, but what did they do with what they got? You know, some people get so rich that they forget about God. Some people follow the principles in the word of God and receive their blessings and then forget about God. See, God's word is not going to return void. It will accomplish what he sent it out to do. So if a person is living and praying according to God's will and his purpose, they will get what they receive. But be careful what you do with what you receive. If we decide that we are going to consume it on our own lust, for our own selves, then we could be in serious trouble. Everything that God gives to us, it is to bring him glory. We should also pray not so our lofty words can be heard um, that we may be seen by others as spiritual, but mostly in private and in sacred, so that our Heavenly Father will hear in private and reward us openly. That's what the scripture says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 to 6. Four, pray with a spirit of forgiveness towards others. A spirit of bitterness, anger, revenge, or hatred toward others will prevent our hearts from praying in total submission to God. This is what Mark chapter 11 verse 25 says. Um, Just as we are told not to give offering to God while there is conflict between ourselves and others, our other believers, we should never ever go to the Lord in prayer, you know, having, you know, certain things in our heart that that's against one another. It, it, God doesn't desire this. He doesn't love this. He wants us to have a pure heart one to another at all times. 
you know, sometimes a person might say something or do something that you think it's against you, and you react in a certain way that could just cause you to lose out on your blessing in such a way that you don't even realize. It's best to just allow that thing to go on and take its course. Whatever that person said or whatever that person did, just allow it to take its course and see what God is trying to do in your own life. Sometimes we jump to conclusions too quickly. We need to just relax and take our time. Be patient with situations. You know, you never know what that person might be going through. That person might have reacted in a way for you to be a blessing to him instead of being a curse to your own self. In the same way, God does not want the um, offering for, of our prayer until we have reconciled with our brothers and sisters. God does not want this. He wants us to come to him with a pure heart. This is what God expects of every single one of us. <coughs> Number five, pray with thanksgiving. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, Philippians chapter 4, 6 to 7 tells us about this. We can always find something to be thankful for, no matter how um, burdened we are by our wants and our needs. No matter how much burden we are facing in this world, there's something that we can give God thanks for. There's something that we can worship and praise God for. The greatest sufferer um, that lives in this world of redeeming love and who has the, 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 the offer of heaven before him as reasons to be grateful to God. No matter how much suffering you're going through, there's something that you can give God thanks for. Number six, pray with persistence. You find that in Luke chapter 18 and verse 1 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17. We should persevere in prayer and not quit or be dejected because we have not received an immediate answer. We shouldn't just give up because we did not receive an immediate answer when we go to the Lord in prayer. We have to be patient. Part of praying in God's will is believing that whatever is his answer, whatever God answers, whether it's yes or no or wait, we accept his judgment, submit to his will, and continue to pray. Number seven, rely on the spirit of God in prayer. We must learn to rely on the Spirit of God when we pray. This is a wonderful truth. We do not know what to pray. We do not know what we ought to pray from time to time. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in according to God's will. Romans chapter 8 and verse 20, 26 to 27 tells us about that. We have the Spirit's help in prayer. At the time of our deepest depression or sorrow, those times when we feel that we just cannot pray, we have the comfort of knowing that the Holy Spirit is actually praying for us. What an amazing God we serve. He has given us everything. He has made everything possible for us so that we can come to him and we can hear and he can hear and answer our prayer. We can have confidence that the Holy Spirit will accomplish his work according to his perfect will and timing. And we can rest in the knowledge of Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 which says, he worketh all things. All things. Not some things. All things for our good. This is the God we serve. In Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 12, the Lord says, I will hasten my word to perform it. And in Jeremiah chapter 55, verse 10 to 11, the Lord says, For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and return it not thither, 
but water it the hurt and make it bring forth bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my words be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I, that which I please, and it shall prosper in things whereunto I sent it. Praying the scriptures will increase your spiritual growth. It will. You actually learn what God says about certain situations, and by praying his word, you will see the results. Many people have testified that they just, you know, they prayed for you know, the healing scriptures. They prayed for healing in their body, physically and spiritually and mentally. And they received it. Because they are praying according to God's will. And because they are in the position where they can come boldly before the throne of grace. God has made a way for us to come boldly before his throne of grace. There was a time that we had to go into a, a booth, you know, in a, through a screen and speak to someone so that they can speak to God for us. In the Old Testament, the people would bring their, their offering for, for their sins, their sacrificial offering, and a priest would have to go into the holiest of holies. Now we have the privilege to come boldly before the throne of grace so we can find help in time of need. Amen? When we come to the Lord in faith, believing him, and we pray the word of God, you're taking the situation out of your hands and putting it into his hands. You're releasing everything over to God. You're turning it over to God. Sometimes we try to make up things in our mind, what to say, and sometimes we even confuse ourselves. But God's word, in God's word there's no confusion. No confusion at all. If you don't know what to pray, look into the word of God. And there are things that you can find to pray about. First Peter chapter 5 verse 6 to 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he might exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, because he careth for you. Most people, when they hear the word um, commitment, their first response is, I don't have time for another commitment. But if you want your circumstances in your life to change, you need to make a commitment to pray the scriptures. And don't worry about the amount of time that you're praying about what you're praying about. Don't worry about it. Just trust God that he will take care of your situation. For he is a prayer answering God. He hears your prayer. You know, think about when um, Daniel prayed. Daniel prayed and it took him a while before he got the answer. And I don't believe Daniel prayed, um, I mean, many different things at that time. He prayed about a specific thing. Sometimes we have to be specific in our prayer and wait upon the Lord. He waited and the angel came. I don't think that Noah prayed a, a whole lot of prayer during the, those how many years that he, he was praying and building the ark. He only had one message. It's going to rain. For so many years, he just had this one message. God will hear our prayer. He will answer our prayer. Sometimes we just wait on God to answer this prayer and then when we see it, when we see the result, then we can move on to something else. But we need to wait upon the Lord. The scripture says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. One of my prayers is, teach me to wait on you, Lord. Teach me to wait on you. As Pastor Wayne always says, the waiter he does something while waiting. Pray while waiting. <laughs> we can pray while waiting. We can do the ministry of reconciliation while waiting. In the process, God is strengthening us. God is doing things for us that we don't even see. We can't even see behind the scenes. But God is working. When you do this, you will see how praying with the powerful forces of God's word will cause you to be praying in victory. You will have victory in your life, in your home, and be able to handle situations as easily as um, Jesus would 
would have handled them. Satan has um, bitterly and subtly fought God's word. He has been doing this for a long time. Can anyone tell me why? Well, he has been doing this because God's our God works through the power of his spoken word. Satan has been wrestling and doing all kinds of things with God's word because God works through the power of his spoken word. How were the, 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 the worlds created? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 says they were, they were created by the word of God. How is every child of God begotten or born again? By the word of God. James chapter 1 and verse 18. After spiritual birth, how does God's children derive um, substance and maintenance of their existence? Through the word of God. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 6, Paul says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination and every eye thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and for bringing to captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. Paul says, we walk in the flesh, that is, we are just human beings. We are just human. But we do not war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. If Paul did not possess divine authority, he could not possess divine power. But Paul's strength was mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and casting down imagination of every, um, and every thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Because of the word of God that he knows. And this is what he used. Paul continued with the military metaphor in the use of strongholds. These were high military battalions or battlements thrown down in battle. Here they denote um, opposition to Paul's work in the gospel. They are literally pulled down and every thought is brought into captivity to the obedience of Christ having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. This is what the scripture is telling us. When our obedience is fulfilled, when we are obeying the word of God, the word of God will work for us. It will accomplish the things that God has sent it to do. The weapons, um, these weapons are praying in the spirit and with the word of God. You pray in the Spirit, and you pray with the Word of God. These are the weapons that God has given to us in this time to fight the battles that we are facing. The sword must never be in the shield at all times. We need to put, take the Word of God and use it for our defense. You know, remember when Jesus was in the wilderness. He was tempted. There are many times that Jesus used the Scriptures. The reason for this is Jesus memorized the Torah, back then, he memorized all these scriptures. He knew all these scriptures so he could use it against the enemy. He could use it against Satan so he could defend himself. We have the word of God today so we can use it to defend ourselves in whatever situation we are facing. God's word is quick and it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirits and of joints and marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. If you pray the word of God, if you live by the word of God, you will be okay. This is what God has given to us. The word of God tells us that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. God has given us his word as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. You know, when you light a lamp, you don't see very far with a lamp. They had to keep um, adjusting the wick, cutting the wick, trimming their wicks during them time. You don't see very far with a lamp. You see your steps. You can see your steps. 
God has given us his word as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We're going to understand God's word here a little, there a little, line upon line, precept upon precept. You don't understand everything all at once. But if you take the word of God at face value and do exactly what the word of God commands you to do, then you'll be okay. Amen? Our God is an awesome God. He cares for us. He does not desire any of us to be destroyed. Let's all stand together. We are living in perilous times right now. And the devil is going to do everything in his power to try to destroy God's people. But God cares for us. He loves us. What is the one thing you understand now as an adult that you did not quite grasp as a child? Any thoughts? Any questions? Any comments? Well, our God loves us. He cares for us. <laughs> and <laughs> I think I'm just going to stop right here. There's so much more that we could talk about tonight. But, you know, if we continue, we might get, just get stuck right here. And it would be good. It would be good. We'll just stay right here and pray all night, right? <laughs> all night prayer. Our God is an awesome God. He loves us. He cares for us. He does not desire any of us to be destroyed. He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, that by these we might be partakers of his divine nature. God has given us, Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 tells us that God has given every one of us a measure of faith. And we build on this measure of faith. We're supposed to build up this holy faith. We're supposed to continue to grow through the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is how we grow. And this is how we should live. Amen? Let's just go to the Lord in prayer and dismiss us tonight. Almighty God, ever-loving Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your word that you've given to us tonight, Almighty God. Thank you, Lord God, for bringing us together tonight to study to show ourselves approved unto you as workmen that need it not to be ashamed, rightly dividing your word of truth. Oh, Lord, we thank you, Almighty God, for drawing us and giving us repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Thank you for hoping our understanding, Almighty God. Thank you, Almighty God, for showing us the way everlasting and for leading us in the paths of righteousness for your name. Oh, precious Savior and faith, we call upon you right now, Almighty God. We ask, Lord God, that you help us to continue to grow in grace and in knowledge of you. Help us to be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work that you set before us, Almighty Father. Oh, Lord, Almighty God, without you we can do nothing. You're lost and empty without you, Almighty Father. We ask in faith, Almighty God, that you guide and direct us, Almighty God. And help us, Almighty God, to be faithful. Help us, Lord God, to love one another out of a pure heart. Bind us together with love, Lord God. Bind us together with cords of love that cannot be broken. Almighty God, help us to continue to build up one another. Help us to love one another out of a pure heart, that the world may know that we are your disciples. Almighty God, we pray in faith, Almighty Father, for all our unsaved loved ones. We pray in faith for all those who are sick right now, Lord God. Oh, Abba, Father, in faith we pray that you reach out your everlasting arms and touch them. Let your healing virtues flow through your people right now, Almighty God. Oh, Lord, we plead your healing, cleansing blood upon those that are afflicted right now, Almighty Father. Have your way in our lives, Almighty God, and let your perfect will be done. Oh, Lord Jesus, in faith we pray, Almighty God, for your guidance and your protection as we leave this house today. We ask, Almighty God, that you continue to be with us. Guide us and direct us in all that we do, that we may bring you honor, glory, and praise. All these favors and mercy we ask of you, Almighty God. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord bless you. And we'll see you again. Sister Harlan, good to see you. Good to see all you saints tonight. Good to see you, Sister Jackson, too.